You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 307 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited about this week's topic, which is the art of storytelling with guest documentary photographer Penny Stevens. But before we get stuck into that, what have you been up to? Well, um, we're uh, in a new phase of lockdown, phase four now here in Melbourne, That's and uh, right. which means we um, have uh, a curfew of eight o'clock. So I feel like I'm 14 again, Aww. and uh, we're allowed out for uh, an hour a day for either exercise or to get your shopping, and we've got to stay within five kilometres of home. So the first thing everybody did when they found out is they googled how far their local bottle shop was <laughs> you know and uh it's like phew okay and then you know so for the next six weeks what if you I, don't have a supermarket in within I, five kilometers i don't know what you do i just don't know but for the next six it weeks it must be all I, right like you must be able to go further than that i think so um <laughs> but i reckon now um, for the next little while, my bins are going to be going out more than me, you know, they get a night out <laughs> once a week at least, you know, so, yes. but Val, uh, yes. what I've done is I've got my, I've got Stella, my Vespa up and running again. And the okay. weather here has been like, it's coming into spring. You can feel it. You can, the, the days are getting longer, the lights changing and it's beautiful. So it's, um, I don't like riding, uh, through winter. It's just too cold. I don't I enjoy it. But when the sun's out, it's been beautiful. So I've been zipping around on the Vespa. And then um, cool. I noticed that because she's been covered through the winter and it's been quite a wet winter that the mm. my mirrors, my lovely chrome mirrors have like rusted. And I was oh. like really sad. So I went to one of those um, car shops and I got Jan, Jan who served me. And I'm like, hey, Jan, um, how do I get rid of the rust? What have you got? She's like, don't know. And she takes me over to this wall of products and she's like, maybe there's something here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but Jan, I'm asking for your opinion. How do I get rust off the thing? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, is there anyone? <laughs> maybe I can ask someone else. She's like, no, let me just go out and have a look out the back. And I'm like, but why? You don't know what you're looking for. It was just the most excruciating. So what I did was I went home and I went on YouTube. Get this. Best what? trick ever, Val. What? I didn't believe it when I saw it. Right. Okay. I got the rust off my um, mirrors and they look With Coca-Cola. Yeah, you know the trick. No, I did not know. Did you guess? I just guessed. Uh, 
one up on Coca-Cola, Diet Coke actually works better. This 100% works. And the trick is you use, um, you dip uh, aluminium foil, or some of our listeners would call it aluminum foil, but, you know, it's Mm. that silver foil stuff that you put over your lasagna when you put it in the oven, right? (laughs) Yeah. You you fold that up, the shiny side up, you dip it in... Mm -hmm. Coke, the the bottle variety, not the powder variety, you would never because <laughs> if you spill the Coke all over the floor, you'd have every footballer in Melbourne over at your house. So you you dip you dip Joke. the foil in into yeah. the Coke and Diet Coke apparently um, they use Diet Coke because it's not as sticky because it doesn't have the sugar, right? And then you just okay, rub yeah. it over the rub it over the rusted chrome. So you could, if you have an older car with rusty bumpers, like, you know, for vintage uh, bikes and cars, handlebars on a push bike that have rusted, you rub with the Coke and it's a miracle. I was so excited. And I know we've got a lot of petrol heads and bike lovers that listen to the show. So if you've got a bit of rust, (laughs) try it. Mm. It's amazing. Wow, that was such a good guess on my <laughs> Such part. a good guess. Apparently vinegar works as well. Fantastic. And, of course, if you are a footballer in Melbourne, we were talking about the bottle variety, of course. So, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> fantastic. How cool is that? Okay, well, <laughs> um, this is so you want to – this isn't actually so you want to learn a whole lot of little bits of – Things you can do with Coke. Which you may never <laughs> – use this is actually you never so you know. want to be a photographer but we want to give a big shout out to love in the games 83 hmm. that's a great uh handle a great profile name so love in the games 83 left us a review on apple podcasts from the united states And they said, I've been listening to the podcast for some time now. I remember to write a review every time Valerie says, if you have a few seconds to leave us a review, we'd appreciate it. Then I carry on listening. And after soaking in all the knowledge I can and laughing hysterically, I forget all about the review. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love this podcast. Gina and Valerie's banter combined with the amazing lessons Gina gives with her awesome analogies, which I love, makes this podcast fun and so easy to learn. Photography is obviously a very very visual art. And when I first saw this podcast pop up, I scoffed a little and thought, how? Gina and Val, that's how. (laughs) (laughs) The inspiration I get from listening and visualizing is priceless. I'm so glad I started listening and so thankful for all I've learned. Thank you, ladies, for taking the time and energy to put this on week after week. I've enjoyed every moment. Keep up the excellent work. Oh, wow. what a great review. That's Thank so you so cool. much. Loving the games, 83. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And um, hopefully you're in the podcast group and let us know who you are. And if anyone else would like to join the podcast group, we have a listener group on Facebook. It's free to join. Just look for, search for, so you want to be a photographer podcast community on Facebook and re- and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. That's awesome. And of course, as I always say, if you have 30 seconds to leave <laughs> us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform, uh, please do because it helps us in the rankings. Much, much appreciated. 
So what else is happening, Gina? I want to give a shout out to a long-time listener, friend of the podcast and a member of the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook group and he's also a goldie, Brian Becknell, for this amazing shot that Brian's he did. And, awesome. And he said uh, he, he actually pre-visualised the shot asking uh, Gina and the goldies advice on settings and working with a completely non-model model. Help me create an image I am tremendously proud of this week and you should be and it's just uh fantastic and I know he's had this image in his head and he's chipped away and he's chipped away and he's pulled out this magnificent shot of a um a guy standing under a shower of water being soaked. He's managed to freeze the water droplets. It's got so much emotion and so beautiful, and you should be so, so proud of this, uh, Brian. Congratulations. I know how hard you've worked um, getting your photography and continuing to do um, all the exercises that I recommend, and uh, he's just gone it's just all kicking in now and he's gone from leaps and bounds and I'm I'm just so proud of you. I was so excited when I saw this shot. So congratulations, Brian. Yeah, love the shot, love the shot. Uh, and, of course, Brian is a goldie and if you're not sure what a goldie is, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I'm passionate about helping the members of the Gold community. They're amazing photographers and I love seeing them progress in leaps and bounds. Here's what BJ Brito had to say. I think with you, the thing is, it's almost like I'm talking to a friend and your responsiveness is so amazing. It's like I have my own personal coach all the time. Hey, Gina, how can I set this up? Okay, and Gina is like right there discussing this with me and you know setting this up for me. That's really amazing. And it, it's such a big help, especially like on the days, like I mentioned, my first shoot. You know, that was, that's where I realized the value that you bring with this whole setup. And I'm so thankful to have you as part of my journey that you've helped me through. And I look forward to, you know, being working with you through this next five years or Thank more. Thank you, VJ. It's like it's my greatest joy seeing everyone, um, you know, progress and uh, you know shine as photographers. And I've got big plans for you. So uh, thanks again. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right. So this week we're chatting to documentary photographer Penny Stevens. And Gina's had a great interview with Penny and Penny has spent 22 years working for The Age. For those people who aren't familiar with The Age, it's the Melbourne Broadsheet. So it's one of the most highly respected uh, newspapers in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, And she spent 22 years working as a photojournalist and now does a mixture of media and corporate work as as, as well as her own personal projects. She was a finalist in the Moran Photographic Portrait Prize, which is pretty, huge, huge. a pretty big deal, mm. and uh, was embedded with the Australian Army in Afghanistan and also won a United Nations Media Award for work in the Solomon Islands about climate change. So she does a bunch of different things, and if you have a look at her website, we'll put all of the links in the show notes, of course, um, her website is bypennystevens.com. That's Stevens spelt S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. Her Instagram is also bypennystevens. Now, she's got a lot of um, images on her website of lots of different serious issues, 
But uh, I love (laughs) (laughs) the fact that she has a beautiful photo of Paul Walker. May he rest in peace. You've got a fan for life, Penny, in Valerie, now that she knows you photographed Paul Walker. (laughs) I love him. I love him. For those of you who don't know, he's in the Fast and Furious movies, but um, unfortunately he's passed away now. Uh, But she has spent a lot of time documenting some of the biggest news stories around. So let's have a listen to Penny Stevens. Penny Stevens, welcome to the show. How are you going? I'm great, Gina. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to chat to you. And it's like I, I love uh, chatting with a, a fellow Aussie because when I say, how are you going, there's no pause because exactly. <laughs> I've just realised after I don't know how many um, hundreds of interviews I've done that, that, that the pause after how are you going when I've asked someone from like North America <laughs> or somewhere else in the world, they're confused. What does that mean? <laughs> it's the Aussie way of saying, how are you? How are you going? <laughs> um, so for, for everyone that's listening, where, where in the world are you? I'm in Moorabbin in Melbourne, right, sitting fantastic. in my little home office. And uh, today uh, we're recording, uh, it's Monday's at the 3rd of August. Yeah. Yep. Third, uh, we are in the first day of a uh, a lockdown, and and um, we have a curfew, eight pm curfew. curfew. So first day, yeah. but you, Penny, are right. Uh, you know, working right in the front line there. Um, you know, you've been seeing the whole um, mm-hmm. uh, disaster unfold, and uh, you've been in the, through the hospitals and and everything. How is it before we get into your background? So what's that like seeing it all? Like you're there in the hospital, you've been into COVID wards and nursing mm. homes. How is yeah. it? How is it? Gosh, it's I think look, the work the work that they're doing is is absolutely incredible. I think it's it's kind of like when you're not in those spots and someone asks you about it. It, it sounds scarier than it is in some ways because when, when you're in the thick of it, everyone's kind of doing their job. Like, you know, it's sort of like um, being with the Australian Army as well. Like everybody does their, everybody has a job to do and everybody does their job. So you kind of feel safe. So even though um, I've been in COVID wards with Western Health, um, I kind of feel safe because the the protocols are incredible. The um, infection control, all the PPE they wear, all the l- rules about walking into the space of the of the COVID patient. Um, but it's very real and it's very scary, and people are really really sick and they're dying, and it is happening in Melbourne, like well, it is happening everywhere. And it's kind of like um, from the work that you do and your background, are you um, addicted to that adrenaline rush of like, you know, because how it works is I imagine that like you are on call 24-7. It's like any time something, some, a story will break and you've got very yeah. little time to get out there. So so what's, what's, um, what's the protocol that you like in terms of being – being job ready at any time just to drop everything and and rush out to a story yeah um well all my gear's ready or like you know you try and make sure your gear's all ready your cards are clear your batteries are charged your camera gear's clean um 
if I'm doing that sort of work, I, I, you know, wear a harness and I have two bodies with a short and a long lens and maybe carry a flash, but maybe not. Which, which harness and, uh, do you like? The, um, what's it called? The original one. Uh, hang on, it's right here. You look Rapid. like a cowboy with them, uh, the, the cameras both hanging off your body, is that right? And then the, you can yeah, swivel yeah, it yeah. anyway and then you can pick up each camera. So you've got long lens on one, short yeah, on the rapid. other. Like just, yeah, just a 70 just to 200. Yeah. And especially when you're doing this kind of COVID work, COVID work, because obviously at the moment everything we're doing is socially distanced as well as, mm. as you would also be doing. Mm. So... Um, even if you're doing a portrait of two people, they've still got to be socially distanced at the moment. Yes. So I'm finding I'm not using my whitey wides so much, but it's more my 24 to 70 and my 70 to 2. Yeah. And, and so, like, what when you're coming when you come back from a job, it's easy just to chuck chuck the camera in the corner and you know pour yourself a big long drink and go. Well, that's that. <laughs> but you would have a very strict protocol that you come home and the first thing you do, you upload and send off the job. Yeah, but then you're taking exactly. care of the gear after that and making sure that that that's uh, ready to go because you're not going to. It would be yeah, a disaster like, to turn up with a flat battery and no, and oh, oh. I forgot my card. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, that's right. And look, I think um, I'm also really strict about bringing it in from the car because um, in Melbourne, in the last few months, quite a few people have lost their camera gear out of their cars, like right. it's been stolen from people's cars. In even if the car was parked in the driveway, really? Um, yeah. So I'm even sort of stricter about that I guess so I don't leave really anything in the car now that's so, a drag yeah, I just... that's such a drag uh having to bring your gear up every time but it's like you yeah know, when, when you've had but your gear awesome. stolen it's a bummer <laughs> yeah I, and I don't want that to happen um and I think but in a way that's good because it means it's inside the house with me so I can sort of you know clean it if I need to or you know think to myself I saw a you know that looked like the sensor was a bit dirty or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, clear, clear the cards. I just have a little system with my cards so that if they're facing up or down, I know if they've been used or not. Um, and because I work from a MacBook Pro at the moment, I also make sure everything, I take everything off there and just put it on my hard drive so that mm. there's room on my laptop for the next job. Are you taking your laptop on the job and um, downloading yeah. as you go? You're always doing that and you're always – because yeah. this this is something that a, a lot of the new photographers, um, a lot of new photographers that are starting out like to believe that even if you're under, you know, when, when you're shooting under extreme pressure or even if you've got all day, they don't like to stop a job and check focus or check the shot. And I keep saying it's not the case. Professional photographers will hold up a job and even say, hang on, I'm just checking focus. All right, got it. Let's move yeah. on to the next shot. So yeah. you're obviously when it's like the, the front page is being held for you to bring back those stories, what yeah. is your protocol when you're shooting? Are you happy to just say, hang on a minute, Prime Minister, I'm just checking <laughs> focus? It depends what it is and it changes all the time. Like, And I think, I mean, the deadlines are, are earlier and earlier and earlier now and mm -hmm. I think so if you're working for The Age, for example, um, or AAP, who I also shoot for, um, you know that 
it's probably going to get a greater run online because then it'll run all ra- all around the country. Yep. Um, and that happens immediately. Like that's pretty that's pretty fast. So while I'm shooting, if I'm on a breaking news job or like for example the you know the um, lockdown in the yeah. in Melbourne, yes. we had the North Melbourne Flemington flats. Yes. All the people there were locked down for two weeks. And that was, you know, while I was shooting that, that would be, so you, you know how you can tag your picture in camera? Uh, yes. With, because I use Nikon, I think you can do it, with, you can do it with Canon as well, but you just tag the picture. And so then I use um, Photo Mechanic. Right. Because it's faster to just sort through <laughs> your files. Yeah, really quick. So I just... If it's that sort of thing, I just open my laptop. Sometimes, just literally on the footpath, I have it on my in my on my back. Sit down. Um, the photos that I've tagged, that I've shot, that I are the ones that I know I definitely want to send. Yep. So I import them into Photo Mechanic, export them into Lightroom, um, and then from Lightroom, I can send them straight to the to the program that upright. Uh, sorry, uploads them to the Age. Right. Or to AAP or to whoever it may be, like the FTP, whatever those things are. Yeah. Um, so that can be really, really fast. Like that can be five minutes or less that you can do that in. If it's um, something where they're saying, look, this is a, we really want this for front page and you know you've got a little bit more time, right. then you take, you take more time and you try and shoot more versions and, you know, shoot wide and tight and, you know, maybe three different setups I try and do if I've got the time, but um, it depends. All right, so walk um, me through that. So you, 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 the call comes in, okay, yep. uh, breaking story. Uh, mm-hmm. How does the brief look? How much are you told, like, because say if it's a front page story, has the story already been written? Is it something Not that's unfolded? Right. Okay. So, yeah. what? Because this is something that I, I, I'm not very good at that that stuff on the fly. That's why I'm not a photojournalist. I need to make stuff up from nothing and create my and own I'm, version of what's happening. So I actually I'm admire that, your ability so. to do that. I admire well, I your ability that. to to. I can't to, do what you do. Right. Well, that's why we have our particular niches, and and it's like yeah. I can remember. Um, uh, in my early days of shooting, I was shooting for a lot of the um, the women's mags and mm-hmm. they would do uh, a lot of these uh, shoot and burn stories where I'd be told, oh, we're going to go and photograph this celebrity couple and their new baby and it's going to be a lovely story. And then I'm told by the journalist in the car, nah, I'm going to ask them about why the husband's having an affair with so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, but while I'm there... Yeah. You go, yeah, no. and then you do, and then you do the photos <laughs> after, and I'm like, oh, no, so, no, so no. the journo gets in, just like ruins the whole the vibe and the mood, oh. and and then I've got to take their photos. So it's like, oh, and no, I, I and then I did, I also did a few um, awful stories where like mothers lost a child or in a in a tragedy or you know things like that. I couldn't cope, Penny. I, I, no. I, I would just go home with such a heavy heart and think about those people. Yeah. So yeah. what I want to know, real. It, it, it is real and you carry that around, but that's in you and it's obviously by your resume you really are like um, you love that adrenaline and, and you're very good at 
turning stuff around quickly and yeah. finding that shot that's going to um, to tell the story. And this it, it is an art, that storytelling is an art. Yeah. I want to know your thought process. So you get that. Is it is it something that is just it just becomes a part of you and it's an intuitive thing that you see? Yeah. Here's the moment. This is going to tell the story. How does it work? Well, if for example, it's sort of like you just you mentioned, like a grieving parent or something like that. If it's something like that, I think, um, and you go to their house or whatever it might be, or it might have just something might have just like that might have just happened or whatever. I think the first thing you do is um, just treat everybody with so much uh, humanity like Mm. empathy you know you just treat them as an you treat this person as an equal and I guess for me I really think that their story is very important and needs to be told and so my thought process is how can I get this person's true um look or true feeling or true experience kind of put into a picture it's probably the most authentic photography that's out there when you you know a photojournalist yeah. because it's like you can't um i think there's a there's a law that if you, you you're photographing um news stories you can't be fo- um photoshopping out the pole in the background or changing anything yeah, it has right. to be real yeah. okay yeah and then right. although yeah you definitely don't do that but you do set up pictures that's that, that there's and I, that's why it's sort of tricky like is it actually people go is it reportage is it photojournalism is it social documentary like all the terms i don't really know like yep. i don't really care so, how that sort of works out but yeah you do you might still have to set something up like you might have to move the person to a different part of the room where the light's better or um you know take them to the bedroom that's tough and it's like you know i imagine um there's a a, quite a bit of similarity it's like when you're a healthcare worker you're dealing with tragedy all the time you know and so you're telling a family that no, we have to turn the ventilator off at this point or, you know, or the police yeah. that are the first responders. But often you're yeah. also there as a first responder yeah. recording yeah. the event, watching someone grieving yeah. a loss as it's happening yeah. in real time. So yeah. what sort of um, what sort of systems have you set up for yourself to um, come home and debrief well, from that sort of thing and just protect your energy, I imagine, because it's yeah. a lot to carry. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. I think, um, I mean, in, in in a way in the older days it was in some ways easier because you were part of a team, right. you were part of a, a bigger group of photographers and you would all be either in the dark room or then it became a computer room and so you would come back and sort of share stories. Um yep. One of my best friends is, was also a photographer at the age. She's now retrained as a nurse. Wow. So, yeah. And we actually went to school together and studied. Um, we did photography together in year 11 and both ended up at the age. It's quite amazing. But, um, I, yeah, having, having people who really understand um, really helps. Also, my husband obviously uh, worked at the age for 20 years as well. So he understands. Right. Um, but that was not the other thing. What was I going to say about that? There was something else you just said then. Um, about how you um, 
how do you uh what's the self-care process for when you're coming and just so you're not carrying that around all the time yeah I, i went to quite a few horrific stories where um you know, young children had died and they were a similar age to my kids at mm. the time. And that's where you do have to be careful that you don't end up sort of really suffering from vicarious trauma, which right. is when you sort of put yourself in the shoes of the person who is um, who has suffered this terrible loss. Mm. Um, so I think sort of I wasn't aware that that's what I was actually doing. I was saying, well, gosh, it might ha- I can't imagine how it must be for this person and, you know, I think you just there's so much empathy and sometimes because you're just sort of looking through the camera you feel like you're just not doing, you're not helping, like you're not doing anything and that yeah. can be a bit of an issue as well. Um, I think it also happened over a long, long, long period of time. So I think when I started working at the age I was really shy and really stayed away from doing hard news or general news or breaking news I was sort of more doing features and fashion and real right. estate and the happy you know, stuff it was kind of, yeah yeah it was kind of a, a long it was it took me I didn't just sort of wake up one day and I was doing that sort of work it took yeah. a long time and I was pretty shy I'm not shy is not the right word but I was pretty reticent to do that sort of work for a while but right. um I think because I grew up with, you know, my grandparents used to get National Geographic and when they finished with it, they'd give it to mum and dad and I'd look you know, look through National Geographic. And, I mean, it, I think I sort of gravitated that way because that is real life. I mean, mm. that's real life. That's This is what happens in our town or in our whatever. Like this is those stories are actually real. So, so you you immerse yourself in those beautiful images early on, and so yeah. what I want to ask you is like when you're in one of these you know fast turnaround high emergency kind of situations where you've got to go in and get the shot, um, do you find that now? So what 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 is it twenty twenty plus years twenty five years? How long have you been shooting for? Um, well, I got a job there in ninety seven. But I was there for a casual for a couple of years before that and so then I worked tw- in sort of suburbs before that. So, yeah. So it's 25-odd years plus? Yeah, that yeah. Do. So <laughs> do, do you find, that, because I found this, that when I first started shooting and really was like if I got a shot sharp, I'd be doing a lap of honour. Oh, my God, it's oh. sharp and it's oh, almost yeah. exposed right. But I felt that everything <laughs> – there were so many things to remember and it's, oh, my God, I, the wrong, I used oh, the wrong yeah. shutter speed or the flash or I didn't notice the, the pole growing out of someone's head. Everything was so fast yeah. and I just didn't take anything in. But the longer yeah. I've been shooting and the more I've just been doing those drills and nailing all of that down and, and being confident yeah. in exposure and um, the camera becomes part of my body I can almost like I think I could find all the buttons blind because you're just using it so much and and I say this often I feel when the shot's in focus I go yeah "Yeah, that's in focus I feel it right and and the thing that I've noticed is the longer I've been shooting the slower time becomes so I can be in one of these um highly stressful hurry up get the shot you've got you know 30 seconds but that 30 seconds while I'm in it feels like 
uh, an hour. Yeah. I feel like I've got the yeah. luxury of time to go, hang on and check my focus. Yeah. Is my lighting okay? I'm looking at all of those things. Do you, do you, do you feel the same yeah. um, experience totally. now? Yeah, absolutely. And you, yeah, I really do. And and you sort of, you kind of, um, yeah, it's like if you've ever been in a car crash, you know, everything really, really, really slows down and you just focus on the very next thing that you have to focus on and just it, you can sort of keep everything in play for a yeah. certain amount of time. Yeah. And then, and then when it's all done and dusted, then you're like, oh, phew, that was kind of, that was pretty actually intense. You know, that was. But, but you're that was so in the moment. You've so, and it's like. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, th- th- there might be. 500 people standing behind you and there's all these other people but suddenly everything goes away the people go away all the noise in the background goes away and it's just this laser focus on the person in front of you so in that this rush job this 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 emergency that you're photographing and you're in the moment what how is your mind working? And and it, I know it's hard to to to, well, to talk about because I mean, you don't know. It's intuitive almost. But yeah, and so much you don't really realize that you're doing. Like you know, I mean, I remember always shooting TTL because I was too scared to shoot manual. I thought I'd be too slow, or you know, yep. it 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 changes over time. But I think sometimes when you go in, um, who was it that was talking about? in one of your episodes, oh, David Dushman talking about sketches. Yeah. The first 50 photos that you shoot. Yeah. Occasionally sometimes you'll go into one of those emergency sort of situations and you just start shooting because you just got to start shooting. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, now calm down. What 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 is it? What What is the most important thing here? What is the angle? What is the view? What is the, you know, you just just try and slow it down and step back a little bit and just go, what do I actually really have to get here? What is my – sometimes I wrote – I take a little notebook and I look, I've uh-huh. written a couple of things down that I'm sort of going to try and attempt to get or, you know. But, I, but also I find out – I find that you're much better to not have any preconceived ideas about what you want a shot to be because okay. – that's just... interesting that you say that because it's like – if I was doing that sort of emergency work, I'm driving to yeah. the I, I would have a preconceived idea. Yeah, so the mother's gonna look like this, she's gonna be gazing and then, then they'll put the child there and that, that'll be really powerful. And then you get there yeah, and it's yeah. like what, what do you mean I can't set it up and do it like that? This is why <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing this stuff. So um But I, I get frightened if if I have to do a shoot where um I have to have a real sort of idea, like as in a um Oh, you know, getting a, a concept. comedian you to want do to come, something. Yes. A concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm like, oh, no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, so, so back to, to being in that moment and doing that um, high-pressure shoot, are you um, – how much are you working the shot? So, and by that I mean, so you come in and you're going to sort of see see the scene, and and immediately you'll go, you'll notice. There'll, there'll be an image you'll see that but are you then chipping away and chipping away and and then you'll notice something out of the corner of your eye and go oh hang on a minute look at that oh my god if I move you over here how much of that is going on or yeah, does that vary it varies and I, and it depends what sort of job you're doing like um for example so you know Dan, our our premier because I know this podcast is not just Australia mm. based so yeah. our 
our premier of the state has, of Victoria, been, where we both live. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Dan Andrews has been doing daily press conferences every day since um, COVID began in March, mm. or since it hit here. And on Saturday, I went to his daily press conference to cover that for the Age, and I just thought he must be just absolutely shattered. Like mm. I just, you know, wow, that just, I just. And he looked shattered. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to concentrate on that today. He's going to stand up and do his thing. But I just waited till he was at the side where the light was, you know, this kind of weird down lights. And so it sort of looks a bit Rembrandt lighting, but yeah. nothing like Rembrandt lighting. And yeah. and it looks quite painterly. So I just sort of watched him and, and then, you know, got the expression that I was kind of after while he was, while someone else was speaking at the microphone. But, um, so, so that's another skill, Penny, because it's like these um, press conferences that people have or when there is like a big event, you're, how many other photographers will be in the room with you? And often yeah, you'll see... That's, that's actually really interesting because I, I used to find, like there used to be a lot of us and I used to find it's taken me so long not to be concerned about what everybody else is doing. Yep. And sometimes you still are. And sometimes because they're more colleagues than um, kind of competitors these days, like because there are so fewer, so there are much fewer photographers on a yep. job now than used to be. It's a lot more collaborative and it's a lot less competitive than it was originally. But um, it's taken me years to sort of trust myself and, Sometimes I still don't because there are people who are doing more of this stuff every day than me. Right. And, um, yeah, so sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, mate, uh, am I meant to be, What do you know what's going on here sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it took me a long time to get the confidence to go, just trust what you are going to do. And also in a press conference, if you do miss one picture, there'll hopefully be another one. Like, right. you know, you only need, what, 100 or a two fiftieth of a second to get another expression or another yeah. thing or another another thing that happens and hopefully if you do miss one thing you'll you'll get something else. So it's much better to not focus too much on what you may have missed in the in the press conference. So so you really um, are backing yourself to sort of move away and say, All right, well everyone is front and centre getting or off to slightly off to the side getting the him speaking at the podium and, and you know, the way you, you can depending on second to second he could have a little smile and you could you capture yeah. him smiling and it's like well exactly. there's dan andrews beaming at the 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 laughing, the, 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 yeah. the laughing the or mocking right. us yeah. you, you know and and yeah. uh, so the news can be manipulated and and often is and then you've taken the other angle of like well i want to show the human side of this person yeah, and I, and I think that what what you just said is really important then too because I think I I feel like, um, and especially now that I'm a freelancer, the only thing I have is is my ethics as a as a photographer. Like you know, I do think deeply about how I think it needs to, this story needs to be portrayed, or you know, I do I do um, I'm careful about like what pictures I submit because I don't want to give the wrong idea or the wrong impression or, yeah. And that, yeah, because it's up to us um, to capture, you know, what we see in the person. Like, you know, when I, when I shoot my portraits, I'm always 
wanting my um, the person that I'm photographing to be the hero in my frame and to look heroic. Yeah. So I'd like to photograph yeah. everyone so that they look and heroic and I celebrate I... them, you know. But then Yeah, there's... That's, and that's what your portraiture looks like. It's beautiful. I can see but, that but, in but your portraiture. But that's me because personally, and I know that there are a lot of successful photographers that are out there and their photography is mocking yes. human nature. And when I yeah. look at those photos, I'm embarrassed for the person mm. that they've photographed, I'm like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't live with myself knowing that I've yeah. um, sort of visually humili- humiliated another person. That, and that's yeah. just me personally. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do that no. sort of. So that's why at a pref- at a presser, I'd be waiting for, <laughs> I'd be waiting for Dan. I just want him to turn his face so he looks more handsome because I need to make yeah. sure the light and I want him to look handsome and powerful yeah. and in control. Yeah. And so all yeah. my shots would be sent back and they're like, no, where's the one with him walking off dejected? I'm like, oh, I couldn't do that because I felt sorry for him. You know, so yeah. so there's a lot in it and there's a lot in, yeah, you know, the is. angle of the camera and the, the that, that mm-hmm. decisive moment and it says a lot mm-hmm. um, about us and, and, you know, what, what we're trying to capture. and. And what is it that you're trying to say? Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's like, yeah. uh, it's lovely that you um, think so deeply about that because it's, you know, when you're starting out, it's, we're not really thinking deeply, uh, you know, about our photography. We're just happy. But no. I mean, for, well, I know for a fact that I was just happy to get a decent exposure and it's sharp and I'm not noticing any of the other stuff. And it's as you yeah. get. <laughs> And it's time, isn't it? It's time and practice, oh, yeah. Penny. That's that repetitive, repeating something and going back and doing, you know, so many press conferences, so many of these emergency um, shoots that you're yeah. doing, the fast turnaround, that you get that confidence and you get um, yeah. camera confident, like you know your camera inside out. And that's what I've been saying with, the, yeah, uh, you know, during so this true. whole COVID shutdown, the world is in at the moment. It's like put yourself under pressure as much as possible. And it's like, you know, maybe you can't go out to a press conference, but like um, time yourself how long it takes for you to pull the camera out of the camera bag, put the card in, put the battery in, check it all, and then shoot a photo and, yeah. and challenge I mean, yourself. And yeah, and you have yeah, you try and have all that ready to go too. And you know, some friends of mine would even um, leave their camera on a setting that is sort of have it on a manual setting that is sort of daylight ready to just pull the camera out and shoot a picture. But I'm not that organised. So you're, are you you you're not walking in. So you've obviously you've got your you you you're walking, oh, walking in gunslinger style. You've got yeah, you're ready to go. See, that's the difference. I would rock up to press conferences with all my gear still packed away. Yeah, no. I mean, and sometimes you're sort of running running from the car. (laughs) No, no. Sometimes I'm running from the car, like trying to put my, you know, put the card in and turn it on. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't, you know, done the pace. What's the pace date? What's the parking meter thing? And, you know, you, there is a bit, it is a bit crazy like that sometimes. Have you ever, because I've done this, have you ever rocked up to a shoot and just like run out of the car, grab your stuff, and then you come out of the thing and you're finished and you're like, I can't remember where I left the car or is that just me? Because I've done it and I've been, I've been wandering around with all my gear, my feet hurt. I just want to go that home and I can't remember what level I parked at. That happened to me. I I used to have to, I used to work Sunday and Monday sort of two to ten 
um, for the age for many, many years, which meant that, um, you know, my husband was at home with the kids and I could be at work and they were asleep for half of the shift so I didn't feel quite as guilty. Yeah. And I remember doing, oh, God, it was something at Crown, so it's probably the Logies or yeah. one of those things. And, yeah, so it's a massive, massive, massive day. You just oh, shoot and file and shoot and file and it just yeah. goes on and on and on and on and on and never ends. And then, you know, so you've been there for, I don't know, 12 hours or whatever. 12, and then, 16, 18, I was there for yeah, sometimes. It was. <laughs> it was like yeah, forever. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying I'm just guessing. And, uh, yeah, no idea. No idea where the car is. <laughs> and it's and and then did you did you go to the after parties and then that, that makes it harder to find the car after some of those parties. <laughs> I it was just usually. Like... <laughs> like the media because we were in a side room. The media is in a side room where yeah. they um, bring bring out the winners and you know you yeah. do pictures. And, yeah, yeah. And you're competing with and everyone else. Of... And it's, again, there's like so many um, media and sort of in the last few years you've also got bloggers that you're competing with and it's yeah. like how are you going to get something that's different to everyone else? And it's it's almost like are you – how much are you sitting back and considering it? Because it's like when a speaker comes uh, on after an awards, there's maybe – I don't know, they might be on stage for three to five minutes. So you've got time and I think it's confidence in having that I'm not going to be front and centre like everyone else. I don't want to take the same shot. I want to try and get something different. I think back then for the Logies because it, it was just – Which is just yeah, for the listeners, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of the world. Who, it, it, it's oh, like yeah. our uh, the uh, equivalent of the Emmy Awards. So it's the television award night, big industry night in um, Australia. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I enjoyed it because I've never – I don't – I'm not drawn to that sort of celebrity sort of stuff or mm. anything like that. But I, um, you know, you would just try and get a spot on the in the front row in this side room where – you would say, no, that's the age photographer that has that spot. No one else is allowed to have that spot. That's me. And then you would be hopefully really close to where the person would come out onto onto the little podium thingy so you could get their photos. But you would just shoot that one, then you'd run it back and file it, and then they'd, bring, they'd wheel out the next person. And then also at the, at the start they'd do the red carpet, and that was the same. You'd try and get a really good position to do the red carpet. Thank God I, did, I just don't do that stuff anymore. So, but when you're in a media scrum like that, like because I can remember in the early years, it it was very, um, it was harsh, it was brutal, and it's like I remember, um, absolutely, putting a putting something down. It's like okay, that's my spot, and then coming back and actually (laughs) being no, no, actually physically being elbowed out of the way. Yeah, by another female photographer, and I kind of said, "Hey," and she looked around. She said, "Oh, sorry, it had to be done. I need to get the shot." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. This is not cool." (laughs) And I don't, yeah, I don't have to do any of that kind of stuff anymore. Thank God. And also because it was very, it's very male, very male dominated too. I guess, and I'm, I don't know softer in lots of ways I think I just sort of in some ways that helped and in some ways I would just I don't know how I got around it really to be honest so what would be uh, your best advice for someone who's um say wants to get into this sort of um 
journalistic style of storytelling and it's not necessary that you have to be working for a newspaper but you just want to take these authentic kinds of photos of stories that mean something to you as a person what 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 advice would you have in terms of like developing a style and finding that image Mm. um do what you're passionate about like cover what you're passionate about Mm. um don't listen to people that say no. It's huh. not It's not going to happen. Like don't, you know, I think work in that area has always been really difficult to get and really difficult to do, but if you really want to do it, you'll find a way. Yep. I know when I um, finished my photography course, I wrote to all the, <laughs> all the, I've still got the, the book, the um, National daily, weekly, bi-weekly papers in Australia asking mm. for work and pretty much got no replies. Wow. <laughs> so you've got to have, you know, tenacity, I yeah. guess, and perseverance and determination and um, grit. Um, but I think also don't be afraid to take time to find your way. Like I think – for so many years I was so terrified of even speaking or saying anything when I was in those big media situations. Like it, it took a long time for me to grow my confidence and it still comes and goes. Yeah. Um, I think most photographers would say that. Yeah. Um, I think if you're – I mean, I just feel like the world is full of stories that need to be told and, yeah. and it's our job to tell them and it's really, really important that they are told and – especially in today's media, which is shrinking. Our landscape is shrinking in lots of ways. In, in lots of ways it's sort of um, segregating and it's splitting into different sort of areas. So in lots of ways there are lots more opportunities, I think. Like, you know, you can, like Instagram, for example, yeah. that you can get yourself out there in lots of ways too. So I think if you're really passionate about it, then just keep doing it and don't let people tell you that it's shit or that your shit, you know, yeah. just keep trying and listen to people who you trust and, um, yeah. And, and not waiting for permission, like someone else to give you permission to have that image published. You can now self-publish and if you, you have a story that you're passionate about that is unique to you, you know, it's more important to get those out because, you know, people need to need to hear this stuff because, you know, as you're saying, the, the media is shrinking and, yeah. um, you know, they have their own many have their own agenda and their you know there's stuff that they just wouldn't think to be interested in but then they might become interested in it when they see it so it's like yeah, it's hard to true. pitch to like you can yeah. pitch a story to someone and say hey I've got this idea but if they're not sort of visual thinkers or into it they'll go that 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 sounds lame it's like you know I keep thinking of humans of new york you know yeah. that that website um and that account it's so fantastic. He started off with just uh, telling the stories, but then when he added the pictures of these, you know, little vignettes into everyday life, we are fascinated yeah. by that. And and uh, the, the nichier it is, the better. Yeah, yeah. I think I think too. There's there's photographers now in Melbourne, like um, Chris Hopkins, who's a photojournalist who. Uh, was sort of doing work for the age and he's always done his own stories as well and um, he was recently during that flats north melbourne 
public housing lockdown, um, there was a guy called Noor wrote to The Guardian and had a sort of personal piece in the, in the Guardian about what it was like to be living in the flats and having family in the flats. And then so then Chris just got hold of him and went and hung out with him and did this incredible set of pictures on, you know, being inside those flats rather than just sort of standing on the outside. Mm. So I think um, there are so many ways you can do it and people, in a lot of ways, it's you used to have to be aligned with a particular media association or a particular thing and now you don't. Now you can actually just sort of go and do your own thing more. Yeah, yeah. and tell those personal stories and, and, and get them yeah. out there and I think keep keep on shooting. Now I want to ask you about how it was being in, in embedded with the um, – the Australian the Army. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how incredible. was that? Look, it was the most incredible experience. Like I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of photojournalists who would refuse to go because it's an embed. So that means that you are actually, for all intents and purposes, you're actually part of the ADF when you go with the ADF to right. Afghanistan. So yeah. there were a lot of people who would just go nut because we don't have the freedom to just do what we want or shoot what we want. Like they would, they would feel sort of, that they weren't free to do what they wanted. Uh-huh. Um, whereas I just sort of felt like it was an incredible opportunity to go when I was asked to go. Um, I think I'm, and also the, the friend that I told you about earlier, she'd done one as well. So that sort of, I guess she paved the way for me in a way that she'd already been to Afghanistan and she'd done an embed with the Australian Army. And I was going with the same journalist that she went with, Dan Oakes, mm. who we trust and, you know, he's going to, you know, he's a good, good, amazing journalist. So um, so I think I said, uh, I said, yes, of course, I'd love to do that job straight away. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Of course I'll go to war. And then I um, pretty much cried for a week because wow. I, thought, I thought, oh, my God, what if something happens to me? I am the most irresponsible mother how, in the whole world. How old were your kids at this point? Um, I have to count backwards. So what are we? <laughs> it was 2011 and my oldest is 18. Right. So they were young, like nine, yeah. nine and seven yeah. or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, my husband was really – incredibly supportive and just saying look uh it's a really bad look if the adf lose a member of the media you you die that's not a good look for them so don't worry they're going to really look after you that's great advice (laughs) (laughs) it was great advice and he was just absolutely staunch in um encouraging me to go and yeah i went with his full support but i did i found it i found it hard just for that first week just it was more just like what am I doing to my kids and also they were old enough to know that it was uh, we left we went um three Australians were killed by a rogue Afghan soldier and it was it was we went as that had happened in Australia and so one of the things we wanted to do was speak find out what happened how did this happen how did this um Afghan soldier who was working with the Australians turn on them and and kill them um and we did get to cover that story and we did get to speak to the incredible um 
soldier who saved the lives of many others by killing that rogue Afghan soldier. Um, but I think, yeah, so the worst part was just that guilt, that mother guilt was the worst part about it. Apart from that, it was actually amazing and going was, an, was it such an incredible experience just to go there and be there. And I know I said, this is going to sound ridiculous. Um, but after a few days, I just had this weird feeling and I couldn't work out what it was. And I finally said to the journalist, oh, my God, this actually is relaxing being here in this place because – when you're with the army, every single thing is out of your control. Like whether you get to go and do something, whether you like, you know, you walk to get your dinner and your laundry and whatever else and you, you know, whether or not we got to cover a particular story or not wasn't really within our control. Right. And I just said to him, oh, my God, this is more relaxing than rushing from work to get the kids from childcare. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of that though isn't there that that mother guilt um oh, and it's yeah. and and it's something that you sort of need to navigate and i guess there's also father guilt let's not leave them out as well but you no, know no, no. um yeah i can remember the first time it really hit home my son was um three and I yeah. was traveling a lot at that point, and I was trying to keep my trips to two or three days at the most. Yeah. But he yeah. said to me one day, Mummy, every time you leave, it hurts me in my heart here. <gasps> oh, Gina. <laughs> and that broke me. Oh, but my then, God. but then. I also, and I, I, I wish I could remember who said this because I'd love to, um, you know, quote them properly, but I remember, and it's just stayed with me my entire life, is the best thing that you can do for your children is as a mother or a father is to show them how much you um, love your work and yeah. uh, doing your own because, you know, they see that and they model that you know, and yeah, so, and, absolutely. and then it sort of came full circle when my daughter said to me, um, many years ago, she said, when I grow up, I want to run a business and, um, live the life and be exactly like you, mum. And, and, that, and that, she... that, that made me feel so much better, you know, that, that she, she saw how, how happy and fulfilled I was and it's not about showing them that it's like, you know, oh, making money. It's like they saw the joy and how excited yeah. I was when I came home and you would do the same. I've got to get my photos yeah. in. And then I'm sure they were sitting on your lap as you were editing photos and t oh, you would yeah. tell them the oh, stories. Yeah. And oh, I think, that, you know, we can't be um, – we can't feel guilt about that because we're giving them um, great role no. models and I think that's really important. I was shooting one job at the um, exhibition buildings in Melbourne and got a call to say, quick, quick, you have to come and get your kid. He's taken to hospital. He's got something stuck on his finger. And and so I was trying to file a job and, you know, get him and pick him up and do all that. And I was halfway, we got to the doctor and the doctor said, no, no, you actually have to go to hospital. And I know he's really hungry and he wants some food. Don't stop though. You actually do. I just want you to go straight to hospital. And But when I got to the doctor's surgery, I realized that I didn't have my laptop that I was trying to, and I was 
to file the job that I was trying to file. Anyway, a series of phone calls and me sort of driving and getting to the hospital and doing all that worked out that I'd been in such a hurry to leave the exhibition buildings that I'd left my laptop <gasps> open, turned on, sitting on one of those concrete pillars <gasps> that like between the ex- exhibition buildings and the museum. I just left it open with, you know, my banking, everything. Some major public space. Oh, my God. And But I ended up figuring that I said I ended up ringing the museum and getting someone from security just to go out and have a look. And sure enough, my laptop was still there. Oh, Melbourne, what a safe place we live in. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, you're lucky, lucky. Oh the stress God. was just unbelievable. And then, of course, I couldn't actually file that news job then because I didn't have my laptop. <laughs> Amazing. So you, you went from working um, many, many years as an employee of the, um, the Age newspaper and, then, and yeah. now you're freelance. How, what's the yeah. difference? How do you feel? Like obviously having that secure, secure paycheck – um, yeah. And then also having a, a, a boss that's telling you um, what to shoot, when to shoot it, and obviously, yeah. how much, um, how hands on were they in terms of directing you? Like, you know, how oh, much of a, of a brief are you getting? So working for them sometimes no brief at all. It's sometimes you you don't really you're just sort of getting the information as you arrive, or you arrive and then you you might just have a phone number or a name or, you know, they, you might have something really vague or sometimes you'll have really specific information. It can work both ways. Um, yeah. So I think though after doing it for 20 years, like working at the age was the only job I ever wanted. That was the only place I ever wanted to work. Like I just, it's just was a dream of mine for years to work there and it took a long time to actually get the job at the age so leaving was also difficult because it seemed like people don't leave that job but um I'm so so happy that I did because now I'm I am I have had time to sit back and I have had time to reflect and I'm loving it more than ever and you know working for people who's who I believe in like uh, for example I've just done the donate life or you know organ donation campaign there their yearly campaign for uh-huh. their whatever um and I'm doing my own work as well which you know is probably because personal work I'm are you doing personal work were you doing personal work yeah. when you worked at the age or you just didn't have I time just, happy snaps yeah just didn't have time like I, I would always be trying and it was just I just couldn't and I think it was just too much like I think when you're working there doing something like that you're sort of you're always trying to do some kind of personal project but I don't know it's we just worked so hard like I think you just worked around the clock worked so hard it was just you never knew where you were going to be and you might get sent away and I don't know I just some people managed to do that really well but I just found that working there and also having a family was as much as I could do 
do, do, <laughs> at the time. Do you think that when you were uh, working for that uh, newspaper that, that having all those other amazing photographers around you and you talk about coming back into the computer room and you're, 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 you're filing your images, obviously you're all sharing stuff and looking over yeah. each other's shoulders. Do you think that just yeah. keep the, kept the, um, the standard really high? And I guess it's that, oh, that the yeah. whole line, you, the sum of the six people you spend the most time with. Um, so I think having that um, that peer group of, of photographers that are maybe a little bit better than you, have a little bit yeah. more experience, was helpful to your career. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It was also very competitive though, and and I think I struggled with that at times, like because it was you know there was a, a pecking order effectively, and that that was sort of not necessarily very good for me. Mm. Um, just you know, in terms of confidence. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, what an incredible bunch of photographers. It's just amazing. So, yeah. so now, now that you're running your own show, um, what, what, what are the, what are the benefits of that? Um, I think, I mean, look, it's only, this is only the third year and I spent the first two years doing quite a bit of local newspaper work, like just suburban work. Yep. Um, and that's all just dried up, which is actually good because even though it was enjoyable to be in my local neighbourhood, um, because now I can focus more on these clients that I've got and doing my own work. And, I, you know, I'm still only now trying to get my website done properly, looking back over old pictures, seeing where it all fits, yeah. you know, I think just being able to I think just being able to step back for a little bit has been so incredible and I've been doing other things like learning meditation and and, you know I have lots of little morning I think one of the main things when I left the age was that I just felt like I'd been chasing my tail for 20 years and I just felt really really overwhelmed a lot of the time right um and I think one of the most amazing things for me is being able to just get a handle on that and recognize it and just I have lots of little morning practices now that mean I can start the day that the way that I want to like mm. you, you know when I was an early morning newsbreaker for the age I would sort of be up at five or whatever and listening straight away to the news from overnight and list, ringing the police and finding out what happened and there was just sort of no separation between you know <laughs> all of that and me mm. whereas now I find I you know don't look at my phone until I've done some journaling I um you know try and not scroll through Instagram until mm. I've sort of you know just had some time to me in the morning and got my head together and you know thought about what my the things are that I'm hoping to do that day and obviously you never do half of them but that's okay um and yeah it's just been incredible like and, and all my all my clients are people who I really respect who are all it's all through word of mouth um yeah that's great. interesting that you say that word of mouth and I think that comes down to um 
the importance of making those uh, connections as you're going through life. And it's, uh, you know, yes. I always say to uh, photographers that are coming up through the ranks, you don't know when your next break is going to come from. And no. it's, you know, it, it it's not necessarily going to be at a convenient time, you know. So no. I think you do need to be um, forever camera ready, like, you know, always yeah. on your A game because it'll be – It'll be when it'll be when you're in the middle of um, painting the house. You're covered in paint. Yeah. You've got paint in your hair, and you yeah. get the call. Hey, uh, our normal guy can't make it. Can you be in this location? And this has happened to exactly. me so many times in an hour. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, if you don't yes. know where your camera is or your cards are spread and it's like every you're not going to get – you don't have the confidence, you won't be able to do no. it. But if you live life knowing that and being ready, the, the break's going to come, but it's not going to come from where you, um, where you expect it to. It's, that is absolutely true, yeah. I um, just want to ask you, Penny, about um, – when you left the paper, you went. You said you went straight into local local news. Is that was that yeah. sort of well and truly? It would have been, I guess, it would have felt like a little bit of a step down for you. But also, you're well and truly in your comfort zone. Was that just sort of a, a way of easing you into that freelance world? No, basically, what happened was that um, there was another round of redundancies on the horizon for the age, and at the same time, Australian Associated Press, who do it, they have a big wire. Um, they're like AP, so they have mm. like a, a wire service, and they they also were taking on the contract to do um, news courts, leader newspaper, right. local suburban newspaper work. So I sort of thought, wow, this could be a way of me getting guaranteed work while leaving the age. So I guess I applied for that contract and was one of the contracted photographers ah, to do right, that work. Right. Um and then but since then that you know, it's all the whole landscape's changed again since then. So in a way it was just really great timing and luck and just it was the right thing at the right time. So I could just build up my um other work slowly and do that work which just gave me a decent income for a couple of years yep um and it also allowed me just to be close to home it was absolutely no stress i didn't have to think about it um it was really really easy it was really enjoyable because it was still people it was the same kind of work where people felt really passionate about their whatever it was local library and um it was really enjoyable it was really great but you know that 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 sort of started to dry up just when the age started calling me again, and now I can sort of work back there as a freelancer. So, which yeah, is fantastic, it's all, and and it's and all fallen into place. And now you've got time to do personal projects. What sort of things are you working mm. on? Well, I really I live in Moorabbin, um, which is uh, southeast Melbourne, I guess, fifteen mm. k's sort of from the city. And there's an, an industrial part of Moorabbin that I've always been really fascinated with and since first seeing it and thinking, what the hell is this? Because I'm from the country originally. Like I just thought, what the hell? What This is weird. This is kind of foreign to me. And then ended up living here all these years later. And then it's, it's like a little – it's in a part of an industrial Melbourne that doesn't really – like all those 50s and 60s 
factories yep. and things like that. And um, I've just sort of always thought, wow, it'd be great to do a project on that. So um, that's what I'm doing. Any more details or like oh, yeah. what sort of images so, are you I'm taking? Gonna... The, the actual factories or the people in them or stories the about them? them? The yeah. people in them. So I, actually, interestingly, I was thinking about doing it and then I um, applied for and later um, got a, an arts grant, my first one that I've Woo-hoo. tried to, yeah, a local council one. And I, I rang them and said, um, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, project, blah, blah, blah. And the, and the, the guy was so polite. He said, oh, um, you might be interested in looking at the work of Michael Kluge, who is a, another local photographer who, anyway, he's actually done a book on the architecture of this whole I've seen industrial. it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Aren't they beautiful he's buildings? Yes. They're so beautiful and he's been so kind and um, he's been really helpful in in um, just taking me through the process of applying for a grant and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, it's wonderful because he, in a way he's already done all that stuff. So what I I can just add to what he's already done by um, looking at the artists who live are living there, and it's a it's a kind of very creative space. But it's also there's lots of old school mechanics and probably printers and I don't know what goes on there. I mean, everyone says you can get anything in Moravian, right? It's, um, it's a big manufacturing hub in the seventies, sixties, yeah, and seventies, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm. I'll be doing sort of later in the year. Um, that project it's really exciting. Fantastic just artists. I mean, I love artists in their studios. I love just people's creative spaces, basically. And where do you see yourself uh, in the next five years? What 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 are you dream of doing? What's your aim? Gosh, more of this, but even bigger and better. Yeah. I can hear in your voice that you still love, in fact, probably love photography more than when you started. Would that be true? Uh, do I love it more? I think it's just there's just so much to, I mean, for me anyway, I forget so much of what I've learned that I need to be reminded and need to relearn it. But also there's just so many inspiring people to learn about and read about and like, you know, your podcast has been fantastic to introduce me to some photographers that I'd never heard of. And I, I think um, because, you know, photographers are generally working on their own now, mm. like it's not as collaborative as it used to be, things like podcasts have been so amazing to just introduce you to a whole new world of photography and creative process and, you know, all that sort of stuff, like how people work and why they do it and you know, people's backstories and, yeah, it's just fascinating and it's just life, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. I would keep going, but I, this interview will end up being a few hours long, but I definitely, when you finish that um, project uh, that you're working on, I, I'll definitely yeah. get you back on to have a chat <laughs> to you about that. Um, I'm yeah. going to put a series of your images in the show notes and also yeah. uh, all the links uh, to all your social media links. Uh, your website is by Penny Stevens, and Stevens is S T E P H E N S. And then Instagram by Penny Stevens, uh, Twitter by Penny Stevens. So that it's like everything's the same. That's that's really good. So um, I'll, I'll <laughs> there share was all of those. A Penny Stevens. 
That's so fine. yeah, go and um, check out Penny's work and um, give her a like and say hello uh, online. And yeah, I wish you nothing but continued success. And it's been an absolute delight chatting with you today, Penny. Thank you so much. It was so, so lovely to be asked to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go, Penny Stevens. Mm. I hope you found that as fascinating and, and interesting as I did. I mean, it takes a lot of skill to be a good photojournalist, to, uh, to be somebody who captures a moment of reality um, mm. because you have a responsibility there, and I think that came through in Penny's conversation. Um, it's very, very important to you know get things technically right, but it's equally important um, or equally noble to capture the 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 mood of a shot, the emotion of a moment, and that's what a good photojournalist does. So it'll be interesting if anybody is out there who is inter- interested in trying your hand at this. You don't necessarily have to be photographing pandemics or, yeah. or major major news stories. You can be photographing reality around your yes. neighborhood and you know in your world. But it is. It is about capturing the emotion and the reality of a particular situation without having to stage any of it. So um, have and a go also, at it. Yeah, also uh, learning how to tell a story so that, you know, mm. coming up now we're seeing a f- lot more of these documentary-style family portraits or day-in-the-life photo shoots and, you know, looking at um, – at Penny's thought process and how she prepares for a shoot and how she talks about, you know, going around the side rather than taking the obvious route and really thinking about the shots, really looking at where's the light, where's this going to be interesting. This applies to all manner of storytelling in photography because you've got that image and it tells the story of what's happening. So I think, you know, this is uh, was, a, for me, a really instructive... In- I, you know, I, I need to make it up from the start. I can't shoot on the fly the way Penny does. So I have a great deal of respect for documentary photographers and the way they, they think through the shoot. So thanks again, Penny. I, I really love chatting with you. All right, so we're at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? So right now I've got to get a job out myself. Well, I'm stuck at home, but um, (laughs) I've got a a cover coming out uh, next month or in the next couple of weeks. So I've just had the um, set of images sent to me that I need to process. So I'll be getting those out. But right now, before... um, the 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 lockdown happens i've got like a little bit of time to get out and quickly uh walk the dog so that's that's where i'll be doing but yeah not a lot of uh, i'll be looking at the same four walls for a little oh yeah i've got a um i'm making a um uh a lasagna as well at the moment oh, that's so nice. that's yeah yeah so i've a lot more because cooking because you had uh, some leftover <laughs> alfoil from cleaning your <laughs> Well, I've got a whole roll of it, so I go, well, I can make lasagna now because I've got alfoil too. Yeah, and I'll, now I'll be looking at chrome items around the house that I can um, that I can clean using this technique. And if you've done – if any of you guys have actually tried, given it a go, you've got the before and after, upload them. You know I'm interested in all manner of stuff like this, so please do share them. The only thing I use um, foil for is I will – unpeel a banana and then put it in foil and um, squeeze lemon juice on it and and then it becomes like a ice cream 
It does. Um, but the best thing to do with that is with the Yonana maker. So it makes banana oh, ice cream yeah. with a lemon. You've got I to, I've those. got to, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is either. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Banana um, ice cream's the best. All right. So where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the gold community. You can find it at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you? I can't say that word. It's like, can we change it to, no. to why the gold club? <laughs> it's such a difficult word for me to say. Uh, where can people find you, Val? <laughs> Um, you'll find me Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.